So it's very interesting uh, in our community. We have not everyone in our community here is is English speaking, and some of those who are English speaking have a different, very different version of English. So we're constantly discovering new words in English, right? And even the dictionary has to be updated every year with with new words and new terms. Uh, and one of them, which I've well, two of them, which I've come across recently, um, are slacktivism. So you have, we have activism. Then there's this new term called slacktivism, right? Which I'll explain in a second. And then there's also clicktivism, right? So it's like because our society now is so so screen screen based, uh, when people have an issue, uh, someone's going to start a petition somewhere, and in order to show your outrage at cats being dumped in a river, you just click, yeah, I dislike that. And it's kind of slack division, slack divism, because you're doing something, but you're not, it's just a click, like, it's, you're not really motivated to, to bring any great change, right? You just, yeah, I click, I click that I dislike that, or I click that I support that. Or uh, there was apparently, there was a thing with uh, Black Lives Matter where people were putting uh, black boxes on their Instagram profile things or on their Instagram pages, I'm not really sure how it works, uh, but big black boxes anyway to show their, their, their solidarity with this movement. But then the movement itself, who didn't organize this initiative, started complaining that they were also putting these big black boxes over their own posters, over the Black Lives Matter posters. So now you can't read what the poster says because it's a big, big black box. But then different analysts are looking at this going, does, does it actually make a difference though? Okay, so 28 million put up these black boxes, right? So, and then the, the, like, People who study these things are looking to see, well, if, if the only effort it took from someone was to go click, click, send, does that kind of thing actually change the heart of a person? And does it really make a difference? It's slacktivism. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I think I'm after rowing into this great initiative, but ultimately I haven't actually done anything, and ultimately I'm not actually going to do anything. You know, I'm not going to change my life. I'm not going to donate money. Or anything. I'm just click, 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 done. Now I've done my part for the salvation of the human race. But that's it. It's just, it's really, it's kind of, it's not, it's not real activism. It's kind of empty. In our reading today, uh, St. Paul, who was feeling a small bit snarky, um, he must have been having a very bad day. But he said, uh, I urge you in the name of the Lord not to go on living the kind of aimless life that the pagans live. Okay, what does that mean? That means that because we follow Christ, our lives have a different goal. They have a different motivation, which means they are different. We're not like everyone else. And it doesn't mean we're better than everyone else, but we're not like, we can't be like everyone else. Otherwise, if everyone else's goal is just, you know, pleasure and then you die, well, that's not our goal. That's not where we're heading. That's not what our life is about. No. So we're going to be different. This makes us, and we don't like being, especially for young people. Young people do not like being different. They want to fit in. If some, someone decides that, they're going to put on jeans that have so many holes, you can't actually tell if they're wearing jeans or are they shorts or are they what. Then, but then everyone does it. And then you can actually buy trousers these days that are pre-torn. Now, explain that to Granny. Granny will never get her head around that one. My goodness, how, why would you buy clothes that are already dirty? Why would you buy clothes that already have holes in them? But such is fashion. Okay, so... Um, this, the, so we, we, don't just, we can't just be doing what the rest of the world does because the world does it. Because if the rest of the world isn't aimed towards heaven, isn't aimed towards God, then that's a really stupid way to go. We have to aim our lives towards God. So do not have the same kind of aimless life the pagans live. 
That is hardly what you have learned from Christ, unless you fail to hear him properly. Right, so St. Paul is feeling a little bit snarky. Okay, but he goes on to say, your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution so that you can put on the new self that has been created in God's way. In goodness, holiness, and truth. Spiritual revolution. Spiritual revolution. Young people are often inspired by the idea of revolution. Because they think, oh, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. You know, back in the day when the Vietnam War and uh, the, uh, so many Americans were, were against the war and so on, and they go down and protest or slavery, the, the abolition of you know, apartheid, and all of these things where, where people got, got behind these initiatives and supported them. Okay. So they, they wanted a revolution. But revolution on its own, it, it can kind of... <laughs> If it's a good thing or a bad thing, it kind of depends on what it's motivated by and what means you employ to get there. So I, I think also within, within the church, we, we feel that there, there's a need for a, a kind of a, a revolution. It's, it's, it's a strong word. And it's kind of a dangerous word in a way. We know there's, there's a need for renewal. might be a safer word. Renewal. The word revolution comes from the same word to, to revolve, to turn, right? So in order to to have a revolution, we have to turn like a new direction, turn towards something else. Okay, so if, if in the church we're, 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 we, we see that, that, that there's a great need for, for change, we see that uh, the church in some way is it's finding it difficult to engage in the modern world for young people. Uh, are we successfully transmitting our message? Um, there's a a show on TV at the moment, Jeremy Clarkson's Farm, right? Bit crude at times, not really advertising it, but he has, he has a farm hand, right? So there's a, a guy who has, he has employed to, to help him with the farm. And uh, Jeremy want, he wants to build a lake, right? So he digs out this lake and he levels it all, and then he has to dig a trench from the stream to the lake to fill the lake. So he gets his little digger, he digs the stream, and in flows the water into the stream, and Jeremy says, Behold, I am Moses, right? And the farmhand looks at him and goes, Who's Moses? Dead serious. Who's Moses? And Jeremy starts, Well, so the. And he actually gives a fairly good account, right, of Exodus. So he said, Well, so the Jews, they're, they're in Egypt, they're in slavery. And they're freed through Moses. They have an awful lot of obstacles and, and things to get through, but they find themselves in front of the Red Sea, and God prays, uh, Moses prays, and God splits the Red Sea for them. They're able to walk through dry shod. I was like, go Jeremy. But, but my, what shocked me was this 21-year-old English guy had no idea who Moses was. Just no idea. Just, who's Moses? After Jeremy's little uh, catechetical lesson... The farmhand responded, I can't respond, I can't say what he said. He said, I don't believe you. <laughs> Basically, in slightly more farmer terms, he said, like, that's rubbish. Right? So this whole story of, of, of Exodus is, is rubbish. Because he just never heard it. He's, just, he's never heard the message. It has never been preached to him. He's 21 years of age in a first world country. We're not even allowed to use that term anymore. But in a developed country, and, and he has no idea who Moses is. Not a clue. Not a clue. So we, we, we as a church, we, we, see, we, we have a great need for, for renewal and revival. A kind of a revolution, I use that word tentatively, 
uh, I'm using it because St. Paul uses it, a spiritual revolution. But if we're going to turn, right, if we're going to revolve, if we're going to change direction, we have to be absolutely 100% clear what direction we're going. Otherwise, it just turns into anarchy and infighting. And that's what we're beginning to see in the church as well. People are pulling all sorts of different directions because we're not united in the vision for the future. What's our vision? Or better said, what's the Lord's vision? What's the Lord's plan here? What? So the founder of our church, Jesus Christ, what's his plan? And that's just absolutely key to any uh, plan of renewal. If, if, if we don't know where we're going, we're going to make a mess of it. So where, so where are we going? Let's, 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 let's try and cut to the chase. If, we're going to, if there's going to be renewal or, or a spiritual revolution within the church, where is it going to go? Where, where does it have to go? Very simply, if we can identify one simple principle, it must be Christ-centered. Not us-centered, not me-centered, not lay-centered, not clergy-centered. It's not about us. It's about making everything we do in the liturgy and in the church Christ-centered. That sounds so obvious, but is that what's being done? Is that what's being proposed in parishes or dioceses or synods or all these kind of things to make the church? Is, is that what's being advocated as the way forward? Obvious and all as it is, I've never heard it said. I've never heard it said. The, 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 everything that's being proposed is change what the church teaches and it'll make things easier and then people will come back which is absolute rubbish, because it has never worked. If you change what the church teaches and what, believe, what the church believes, then people are happy enough doing what they're doing without the church, and they'll stay where they are, and they won't come back just because we've dropped the bar. Dropping the bar never works. Absolute rubbish. Church must remain completely Christ-centered. And how do we know, then, what's Christ-centered? The, the, the sub-point of that is that what does the church teach? Again, this sounds so, so simple, but it's not what's being proposed. If, 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 if our idea, our proposal for, for renewal, revival, spiritual revolution within the church, if it's Christ-centered, and to kind of clarify what that actually means, we're looking at what the church actually teaches, now we're going a healthy direction. Because otherwise we say, well, what is everyone saying? What is everyone thinking? Well, there's a good chance that because we hear an awful lot of stuff which isn't church-friendly, which isn't Christian, which isn't Christ-centered, if these are the messages we're hearing all the time, we might start to actually diverge away from what Christ wants and say that the church is all about social justice. Well, no, it's not. Social justice, is, it's a part of what we do, absolutely. You know, you can't, there's no point preaching the gospel to people dying of starvation. You know, you have to uh, sink a well, build houses, orphanages, hospitals, get them <laughs> healthy enough that they can actually hear, hear the message first, and that's what We've been doing it in, in, in the church for centuries. There is no charity in the world that feeds, clothes, and houses more people than the Catholic Church. None. There is no NGO that does more for third world countries than the Catholic Church. We don't, most people don't know this. And it's because it's easy to, be, to click and say, I am against racism, I'm against poverty, yeah, poverty's bad, click. That's easy. But the church for generations has been actually sending people to these countries. So that when money, I have a, a friend in, in Zimbabwe, a priest, uh, Father Tim Peacock is his name, big into the legion. And so he went out to Zimbabwe. Uh, there was a, a dictator down there called Mugabe who hated the English. And in order to eradicate all English influence in Zimbabwe, he took out 
everything that the English built. Now, the English don't agree with all of their politics at times, but um, they did build an irrigation system which watered the crops. And Mugabe said, yes, stupid irrigation system, stupid English, dig it up, and caused a famine. Right? So absolute stupidity. Okay? Uh, and so then this, this priest, Father, Father Tim, a friend of mine, he's down there building schools, sinking wells, building dams, building hospitals, uh, building a seminary, I think, recently, on the ground. So all the donations that he gets go straight to the people. No, no administration, no offices, straight to the, to the bellies, straight to the roofs uh, of the people. So that's, that's the difference that, that the church makes. Completely Christ-centered, in keeping with church teaching, serving his people. So we do need, we do need a, a, a spiritual revolution. We do. But it must be Christ-centered. If it's, if it's people-centered, if it's opinion-centered, if it's majority-centered, that, that, that won't bring renewal. It won't bring renewal. Because we might find ourselves actually fighting against God. Imagine, in the name of God, to be actually fighting against him. So, how do we, how do we stay on the, on, on the straight and narrow? I find one of our guiding principles as Catholics Again, this sounds so obvious, but, but I think it needs to be put into practice. One of our guiding principles in staying faithful to Christ is that our church has always been Marian, as in we follow Our Lady's example. If we follow Our Lady's example, she will guide us to Jesus. So if, if in our parish circles, if in our, our diocesan uh, initiatives, if in our, our synods and all those kind of things, if, if we're being guided by Our Lady to Jesus according to the teachings of the church, then we can be far more confident that what's going to come out is actually useful. If not, what we will come out with is a load of human ideas to be achieved by human efforts, ultimately for human glory, which is vanity. Whereas if we follow Our Lady, then we will be doing everything from His grace for His greater glory. Very, very different. So... There is a need for spiritual renewal. And our guide in these murky and stormy waters is Our Lady. And she will guide us to what authentic fidelity to Christ means. And I pray that this will happen soon. And I pray that all of us that are involved, we won't just be kind of involved in this kind of slacktivism within the church, and yeah, church needs renewal, click, I agree with that. Our seminary needs renewal, yeah, click, I agree with that. But that we'll actually do something about it. And we do that first and foremost by prayer and then by whatever means the Lord will present to you. Whatever your sphere of influence is, whatever the Lord entrusts you, it'll depend on the person. But first it begins in prayer. It begins in prayer. So we pray, Lord, for the renewal and the revival of our church. We pray for this uh, spiritual revolution, as St. Paul mentions in our reading. We pray that it will be guided by our Blessed Lady, and we pray for a new springtime within the church. Lord, that especially all of our, our young people and those who have never heard of you, that they may know the consoling message of your loving gospel. Amen.